0: Shalom alechem. welcome to the Shmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Mike Silver, an internationally respected boxing historian and the world's foremost authority on the golden age of the Jewish boxer. He's the author of The Ark of Boxing, The Rise and Decline of the Sweet Science, and the recently published Stars in the Ring, Jewish Champions in the Golden Age of Boxing. He's published more than 60 articles and book chapters on boxing for publications, including The New York Times, The Ring, and Boxing Monthly. A former inspector with the New York State Athletic Commission, he also promoted boxing in the early 1980s. He served as an historical consultant and on-air commentator for boxing documentaries produced by PBS, HBO, ESPN Classic, and A&E and was curator of a multimedia exhibit at the National Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia in 2004, titled Sting Like a Maccabee, the Golden Age of the American Jewish Boxer. Welcome. Thanks for joining me, Mike.
1: My pleasure, Lisa. Nice to be here.
0: So you've written that boxing was as much a Jewish industry as Hollywood and the Garment Center, and Jewish participation inside and outside of the ring helped us to improve and refine the sport on many different levels. I wonder if you can share a bit of that backstory.
1: Sure. Well, you know, in the uh, early part of the last century, uh, Jewish people were coming to this country in large numbers as, as immigrants. In fact, the number uh, is exceeded about two million Jewish immigrants coming here from the uh, late 1880s to the uh, early 1920s. And, uh, you know, many doors were closed to them. Uh, there were industries that had quotas, and uh, Jewish people had to make their own way. And one of those, uh, several of those industries that were still open or undeveloped was, of course, the entertainment industry, including the nascent uh, film industry. Jewish people became very dominant in that. Uh, they they uh, basically uh, invented the, the modern film industry, as we know, with uh, famous people like uh, Samuel Goldwyn and... Uh, Uh, other people. Um, Also, uh, one of the industries uh, that had close ties, and by the way, I might also add the show business that included vaudeville and um, theater was open to uh, anybody without restrictions. Um, And uh, another industry that was open to Jewish people was boxing, which at the time, and again, we're going back uh, about 100 years ago. Um, boxing was actually one of the three major sports in America. Remember, there was no National Basketball Association. Uh, Baseball was a popular sport, but it was confined to only eight teams and about uh, 240 professional athletes, Um, whereas uh, boxing was open to anybody. It was a freelance sport. And uh, uh, very much like somebody would produce uh, a vaudeville show, people produced boxing shows. And um, being that it was an open industry, and Jews were invited to uh, participate in it, uh, they quickly established um, uh, uh, very uh, good reputation both as boxers and as entrepreneurs. And uh, some of the uh, earliest people who uh, basically influenced the sport were personalities such as uh, Mike Jacobs, who was the predominant promoter. Uh, beginning, He was a backer for the great uh, Tex Rickard, the great promoter of the 1920s. He was a financial backer uh, of Rickard, uh, who uh, would not have succeeded uh, if, without the financial backing of Mike Jacobs. Jacobs then established his dominance as the premier promoter in the world, actually, but especially in America, uh, of the sport. And he was um, basically responsible for the career of Joe Lewis and getting uh, the great Joe Lewis, who became one of the major civil rights figures of the 20th century. Uh, he was responsible for Joe Lew- Lewis becoming heavyweight champion, uh, the second black heavyweight champion, and if anybody you know out there knows uh, the history of um, Joe Lewis, uh, they know what an important person he was. Basically, opening the door for uh, the great Jackie Robinson about uh, twelve years later to break the color line in baseball. Um, it, Joe Lewis's reputation as champion, his service in World War II, uh, eased the way for Jackie Robinson to break the color line in baseball. Uh, boxers, uh, Jewish boxers, are also innovative. In the sense that uh, they had a reputation for being uh, smart boxers, um, and uh, especially uh, one notable fighter that epitomized that was the great Benny Leonard, who was considered one of the greatest uh, boxers that ever lived. Um, He developed the science of boxing to to a degree uh, virtually never seen before. He was uh, he was once described as a, a warrior who fought like a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, he he basically saw boxing as a, as a physical game of chess, and he was a um, uh, someone who just like any great artist, he was a perfectionist. Uh, spent hours upon hours perfecting every move, uh, trying to break down boxing and all its elements. Um, he was noted to to stay in the in the gym even after his workout to watch preliminary fighters work out. And when uh, a famous trainer once asked him, "What are you, a world champion, doing watching preliminary fighters uh, sparring in the ring?" He said, "Well, one of these young kids might do something by accident that I can use."
0: <laughs> it, so, it, well, what was his? I'm curious what his background was.
1: Well, Benny Leonard was the, was the son of uh, Russian Jewish immigrants. Uh, he grew up on the Lower East Side, like like so many other uh, young Jewish boys, uh, and his father labored uh, 14 hours a day in a sweatshop. Um, his, he came from a family of, I think they had eight children, and they were struggling, like many people in the early 1900s were struggling in the inner-city neighborhoods of New York, New York's Lower East Side, or the Maxwell Street Ghetto of Chicago, or Philadelphia's South Side. These were all Jewish ghettos where Jewish people were, were really fighting uh, uh, to, to improve their lot and break out of the cycle of poverty. Um, and again, there weren't many opportunities open other than uh, working in a sweatshop for long hours or behind a push cart or maybe menial job in a factory. So uh, Benny Leonard was a young kid... Uh, uh, growing up, uh, and, and he was introduced to boxing at a young age. And it must be understood, it's hard to envision the sport today as it was years ago. Boxing was everywhere, okay? As I said, it was a major sport, but it was completely accessible. It wasn't like uh, baseball where you needed a field to practice on. Boxing, all you needed was a little space to box. If you needed a gym, uh, an empty apartment could, could double as a boxing gym. You just needed space to spar, you needed maybe, you would hang a punching bag, and boom, you had a gym. Uh, And and there were many settlement houses that were opened up, and virtually all of them had an athletic program that featured boxing instruction. Uh, The most famous one of these was the Educational Alliance, which was located on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, a very famous uh, settlement house that was started by um, a Jewish philanthropist who had... Uh, made their, uh, you know, came over here from Germany uh, in the first wave of Jewish immigrants, a smaller wave, and they had made their money in uh, in uh, the garment trade and 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 uh, finance, and they wanted to help their brethren who were coming over from Eastern Europe in much larger numbers, who were mostly uneducated, uh, really didn't understand what America was all about, and they established these chains of uh, settlement houses that were basically there to help these um, Eastern European immigrants become American. And one of the ways to become American was to engage in a very American sport at the time, which was boxing. Boxing rivaled baseball in popularity. In fact, an argument can be made that it was more popular than baseball at that time. And every neighborhood had a gym. Every neighborhood had a fight club. All you had to do was go up to a promoter and say, "I want to, f- I want to fight next week." He'd give you a bunch of tickets and say, "Good, uh, sell these tickets, and I'll give you half of whatever you sell." And show up on the night of the fight. And these young fighters got experience that way. That's how Leonard developed. He soon he was a he was a skinny little kid. He weighed 118 pounds. He didn't have much power, so he developed a hit and run strategy. And he was very creative. Had a very um, ingenious mind and he he basically sought to improve himself he had great natural talent but he improved it and he soon established a reputation of one of the best boxers on the lower east side and um uh, after about a hundred fights he fought for the title he was only 21 years old he turned pro when he was only uh 14 years old and he fought for the title at the age of 21 he held it for the next eight years and he retired as undefeated champion. And uh, he basically inspired more Jewish young men to become boxers than any other professional fighter.
0: So, so did, did these boxers enjoy recognition outside of the Jewish community, or was it really within the community that they lived in?
1: Not only did they enjoy the tremendous uh, notoriety within the Jewish community, in fact, they were the first heroes uh, for young Jewish immigrants. Uh, it's been documented that the most, most famous Jew in America in the 1920s was Benny Leonard. Benny Leonard was tremendously popular outside of the Jewish uh, population in the same way that Babe Ruth was popular amongst all ethnicities, um, in the same way that Joe DiMaggio was popular. Uh, a, a great champion in boxing was popular across all ethnic Strata. He he, he just these were looked up to. These were like the rock stars of their day. Uh, Jack Dempsey was popular. Who was the great heavyweight champion of the 1920s? Was tremendously popular with Jewish people, Italian people, Irish people, everyone. They were looked up to. Uh, Boxing was seen as a test of character in those days. A courageous boxer who who fought his way to the top um, was seen as somebody special. So those type of qualities were admired by people
0: of every background. And do you think it is representative of an immigrant experience, an assimilation? Does it speak to any of those issues?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. If boxing had, I would say the, the most important aspect of the Jewish boxing experience was how it helped to become these young immigrant children become Americans. And by participating in this quintessential American sport, and again, as I said, it rivaled baseball in popularity, uh, it helped them not only to become Americanized, but it, it changed the way other people viewed Jewish people because they were establishing these reputations in this very American macho sport, okay? So not only did Jewish people begin uh, – people who were not Jewish begin to perceive Jewish people in a different way, thanks to boxing, but Jewish people themselves began to see themselves differently. Um,
0: And and it's safe to say that they brought their Jewishness in different ways into the ring. I mean, I I use an example, I guess, of – was it the Whitechapel windmill?
1: Oh, the Whitechapel windmill. Yes. Jackie Kidberg. Well, every fighter, when he posed for every Jewish fighter, when he posed for a publicity photo, 90 percent of them would pose with a Jewish star in their trunks. Mm-hmm. And many of them fought with the Star of David on their trunks. OK? Of course the idea Jewish fans were amongst the most enthusiastic. They supported the fighters. They were great fight fans. And they came out in droves to, to cheer for their, their Jewish boxers. So naturally, it was in the interest of the fighter to advertise the fact that he was Jewish. Um, and, and this was taken to an extreme by some, some fighters. Uh, there was a fighter from, uh, uh, his name was Harry Stone. He used to come into the ring wearing a talus. And other fighters did, some other fighters did that too. But Jackie Kidberg, the Whitechapel windmill from England, great fighter. In the early 1930s, he decided to really solidify his identity as a Jewish fighter. So he came into Madison Square Garden for a main event. The arena was sold out, and he came into the ring wearing his talus and tefillin. <laughs> And and he walked, and of course, he didn't wear it during the fight. He mm-hmm. made a great ceremony of unwrapping the talisman to fill in and putting it in a velvet case and handing it to his trainer. And there were some jeers and boos in the audience because some people felt it was a little, you know, it wasn't exactly uh, refined. But overall, he was cheered by that. And But the athletic commission came down on him and said, look, don't do that again. Um, <laughs> He never did,
0: but he made a statement. <laughs> he did make
1: a statement, and 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 I love the way the 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 New York Times uh, described the following day. Described they had to explain what the fillin was, you know, and <laughs> described it. It's religious scrolls in a little black box with leather straps, you know. Cause, <laughs> and uh, this is what it was. I mean, you had. Um, I give you an example. Today there are about a dozen Jewish fighters throughout the world. Uh, in 1930. Uh, When there were uh, hundreds and hundreds of Jewish professional fighters, Uh, the nineteen thirty record books identified sixteen fighters with the last name Cohen.
0: Wow! Yeah, and so it reaches back as far as I can tell from from my reading. Um, thanks to you, that Daniel Mendoza was a British Jew. He fought in the seventeen nineties, right? And and then it grew from there, and you know, and its heyday. How many fighters were there?
1: Well, again, we were talking about two different eras. Yeah. In, in in Great Britain in the 1790s, bare-knuckle boxing was very popular. In fact, during that time, it was the national sport of England. And Daniel Mendoza, uh, a Jewish fighter, uh, established himself as a superstar among the bare-knuckle fighters. Uh, and he inspired other Jewish uh, fighters to, um, uh, to to try their luck in the ring, uh, there, were, there were a number of uh, uh, notable uh, English Jewish boxers during that time, the 1790s, early 1800s, but not nearly as many as, as came up uh, a century later, both in England and America, um, when, when you know, literally thousands of, of young Jews um, tried their hand at boxing. Uh, in England, England actually had hundreds and hundreds of Jewish boxers uh, in fact, proportionally, they may have had even more Jewish boxers than America. Although America numerically had many more, but you know th- there were uh, about uh, 250 to 300,000 Jewish people living in London and surrounding areas, and uh, the the boxing scene was very active there. Uh, England was the cradle of modern boxing, and there were I list so many uh, of the of the English Jewish Jewish boxing stars in my book. But getting back to Daniel Mendoza. Um, he is the first Jewish boxing superstar and is considered by many to be the father of scientific boxing. He was small. There were no weight divisions then, so he had to fight people outweighing him by 30 or 40 pounds. He only weighed 160 pounds. And he developed a style that was uh, enabled him to defeat opponents who outweighed him uh, by, uh, you know, by many pounds. And uh, uh, his style helped to refine... Uh, the art of boxing, and then it was taken again later on when boxers began to fight with gloves, and the modern boxing rules were instituted. Then you had other fighters um, further refining it uh, with great boxers such as uh, the Irish uh, champion James J. Corbett, and of course Benny Leonard, um, who you know established um, uh, boxing as a science, really, and uh, the art of you know self-defense. Um, it, it boxing can be conducted in a very crude level. Mm-hmm. Not to not to not to be misunderstood. It's a very it's a brutal sport, and, it, and it's a very damaging sport. But uh, the idea is is to avoid as much punishment as as possible while you know while uh, scoring your own uh, uh, points and so on.
0: So if you can reach back that far to find documentation and stories about who these boxers were. It's obvious that they were chronicled, but do you think that this has been sort of, and especially in the Golden Age, a uh, forgotten chapter of the Jewish narrative, or is it just that some of us, like myself, don't know that much about it?
1: Well, Lisa, uh, that's a good point. It, it, it has been forgotten, mostly. I mean, people today, uh, most people, uh, you know, of a certain age who maybe uh, who's, uh, who are over 60, who's, who have some knowledge of the history. Uh, but most people, younger people, uh, don't know. They have no idea. I mean, I, I, that's why I wrote the book, because it was basically a forgotten history. Uh, before I wrote the book, I used to go around asking people, had they ever heard of Benny Leonard, or do they know of any Jewish boxing champions? And mostly I would get a blank stare from people. Mm-hmm. They, they would sometimes laugh and say, what do you mean, they were Jewish boxers? I said, yeah, there were. In fact, there were 34 Jewish world champions. They couldn't believe it. They were sort of confused by the whole concept of it. You know, the the trouble was that Jews left boxing as soon as boxing is a sport of poor people. Mm-hmm. When Jewish people began to um, uh, get a foothold in, in improving their, their place in society and began to improve the economic situation, they didn't need boxing to to, to establish or to move up uh in the, on the economic uh or social you know uh hierarchy. So they left boxing fairly quickly by the by the late thirties as Jewish people began to improve their lot in society in America, um, the boxers began to leave the sport. They were still there in, in, in by the late forties you had a few, but by the early fifties virtually all the Jewish boxes were gone. And 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 at the same time boxing began to lose its popularity. Uh, boxing today is nowhere near the, the, the wildly popular sport it was years ago. So you had a combination of, you know, the, the, the memory of the boxers fading in the past and um, other sports becoming more popular. Uh, the, the younger generation, third and fourth generation, especially of American Jews, not knowing this history, and it's a very proud history. And it's a shame that it's that it's not known because it is so rich and it was so important at the time that that it should be something that people should be aware of.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that we um, currently have a visiting ex- exhibit here at the Yiddish Book Center, mm-hmm. um, and it's the Yiddish Fight Club. And on the one hand, I think people are surprised to find out that there is this rich history. And on yeah. the other hand, I can't tell you the number of visitors who have personal connections and stories. And we have one person who works very closely with us whose great uncle was the galloping ghost of the ghetto. Uh, Sid Terrace. Yeah, th- that, yes, exactly, yeah. Said Terrace. And wow. these stories are just coming out with visitors, and I'm realizing that, that uh, you go back two generations or so, and oh. this was not uncommon to have I, somebody I, related to you.
1: I must tell you, Lisa, since I wrote this book, uh, Stars in the Ring, I've gone around to people. I've been given several talks, and and I mentioned to people, and I wrote a book about Jewish boxers, and invariably, it's amazing. I will get the, you know, my grandfather boxed. Mm -hmm. Or somebody will say, you know, I had a cousin who was a boxer in the 1920s. Maybe you know his name. I I can't believe the number of connections, and, and it just goes to show you how many Jewish people were involved in this sport years ago.
0: And, and what do you think, Mike, is central to you in telling the story of Jews in the ring?
1: Well, you know, I I, I hate to pigeonhole the people into one category, okay? And, and we've accomplished so much as Jewish people, okay? And having been involved in boxing for many years and... and just, you know, since a kid growing up in the late 1950s when I became a boxing fan, and I myself didn't know the extent of Jewish involvement, but I understood what it took to be successful in this sport. It is the toughest sport in the world. People have no idea, unless you've competed in it, how difficult it is to move up in this sport. It's just a remarkable accomplishment. And I thought that this... This accomplishment, which is something that has been forgotten, uh, for the very fact that we we were so successful at it, adds another dimension, another dimension to us that I think it's important to know. I was reading about the, these stories. I profile 166 of the most notable Jewish boxers in my book, and I was always struck by the by the strength of of, of Character and, and courage that they displayed in the ring, and and the, the the obstacles that they overcome to make it at a time when it was so difficult to make it in the sport. The competition was so brutal, and how they applied themselves. And I thought, I thought it was a connection. It, it, it connected us before when we were, you know, just coming over here from from 2,000 years of the diaspora and and living a shtetl life, and and. Uh, you know, 2,000 years of oppression where we were just the victims of state-sponsored anti-Semitism, and we didn't have the power to fight back. We couldn't do anything, and the rabbis would exhort their flock, don't fight back, it'll be worse for us, and so on. What the early Jewish boxers did when they first came, they connected to an early Jewish warrior spirit that was sublimated. Mm -hmm. It was always there. Look at our biblical heroes. Look at David, Saul, Samson, uh, Bar Kokhba. You know, I mean, if you know Jewish history, you know these men. But what happened was that, that that these Jewish fighters, the first Jewish fighters, before you know the half a million Jews who fought in World War II, who were American Jews, and later when Israel, you know, and and, and the great, you know, um, IDF uh, was, we became so proud of the, the the Jewish warriors in Israel who fought for all of us. Well we had these young jewish fighters who connected to that warrior spirit you know so so i thought this is important it's an important story to tell and it's important to tell because it was so much a part of the immigrant history you know pe- people have written books about how the immigrants started the the uh, the, uh, the movie industry you know mm-hmm. they were the godfathers of hollywood and how important they were in the recording industry and how we started you know uh, the you know, our own publishing when we were barred from publishing many books, not enough has been written about the accomplishments we made in this in this unusual profession, granted, okay? But a multi million dollar industry from nineteen hundred to nineteen to the nineteen fifties, a very important aspect of popular culture in America which, because the sport has gone downhill so much, is virtually forgotten. Mm-hmm. So my book was was attempted to fill that gap. And I had to do something. I couldn't just make another book. I had to do something. It had to be like a coffee table book with, with tons of pictures. And it, it had to impress the reader that this was something special by the sheer volume of what I was throwing at them. So, therefore, I li- I make a list of... Every single Madison Square Garden main event from 19, uh, uh, from 1900 to the present in which a Jewish fighter w- fought in a Madison Square Garden main event, which was, which was a great honor because Madison Square Garden was the premier arena. Well, it, between 1900 and 1950, almost one, third, almost one out of three every main event in Madison Square Garden featured a, at least one Jewish fighter.
0: That's remarkable. But uh, yeah, the the book is completely engaging um, well, thank you. in terms of yeah. There are so many ways to engage with it. But before I let you go, yeah. um, is there a favorite story you have?
1: <laughs> there are so many. Favorite I would stories. imagine. Yeah, you know, uh, I just picking one. You know, there was a a, a fighter from the uh, early 1900s. His name was Leech Cross. That was his fighting name. Great name. His his real name was was uh, uh, his last name was Wallach. But um, he took the name Leech Cross uh, for, for some reason that uh, it was a nickname and whatever it was, that was his fighting name. And when he began to fight as an amateur and told his father he wanted to turn pro, his father said, Look, he said, you know, no matter how far you go in boxing, you can't. it's not going to be a lifelong career. You need something to fall back on. Okay, now we're talking about 1907 here. Mm-hmm. So being a good Jewish boy, he said, okay. And, and the father said, I'll let you be a fighter, but you must have a career to fall back on. So Leech Cross went decided to enroll in the NYU Dental School. Okay? Yeah. So while he fought as an amateur, he also attended NYU Dental School and got his license to practice dentistry. And uh, he opened a dental office. And uh, on uh, uh, in Union Square, Manhattan, and every two weeks or three weeks, he would fight in a local club. He was making more money as a fighter than he was a de- <laughs> as a dentist, so he suspended his his career as a dentist and fought full time as a prize fighter. Eventually, accumulating over a 150 professional fights, wow. and he was one of the great fighters of the early 1900s. And he was the first jewish star boxing star of the lower east side he predated benny leonard in fact uh, he was a hero to benny leonard and um so what he did was um you know he he uh basically attempted to knock out teeth at night and fixed you know and basically fixed teeth during the day
0: right he could make a lot of business in the ring
1: (laughs) he made a lot of in fact there's a there's a story one of the fighters he fought uh, name I have the uh, the uh, I have a lot of sidebars in the book. One of the sidebars is a fight he had with a fighter called Knockout Brown, and they had a ten-round fight. And during the course of the fight, some of Knockout Brown's teeth were loosened a bit. So his fighter, uh, the following day, took him to a dentist, and he walks into the office, and there he sees Leach cross his opponent. Wearing a white <laughs> smock,
0: he <laughs> says, "What are you
1: doing here?" He says, "I'm a dentist," and he helped fix his teeth. It's a true story. It's
0: a great story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and
1: there, there are, and there are other stories. There's another. I, th- I thought this was so Jewish. There was another fighter sa- named Armand Emmanuel, who was the, one of the few fighters who came from a middle class background, and uh, as an amateur, he won the national amateur heavyweight title, and. A very bright guy. He he attended a law school in California. He got his law degree, but he he decided to see how far he could go as a professional fighter. And he turned pro, and uh, did achieve a world ranking. And he was known as the boxing barrister. That was his oh. nickname. Whereas Leech Cross was called the fighting dentist. <laughs> I think these are two quintessential Jewish stories.
0: They're great. You know? Well, those yeah. stories and all of the stories in your book are truly um, wonderful. Um, I so appreciate your taking the time to join us today. Um, And if our listeners want to learn more, they can visit MikeSilverBoxing.com. And also to purchase a copy of Stars in the Ring, you can visit shopyiddishbookcenter.org. And lastly, we look forward to welcoming you to the Yiddish Book Center in the fall to give what I know will be a knockout presentation.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. I look forward to that, too, and I'm training for it, and I guarantee you I will be in shape.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Mike. Take care. Okay, Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.